0: Welcome to the Student Manager. It's Fonger News, episode number 52. Joining me via phone in his home office in San Diego, Assistant Director, California Recruitment, David Mills of Fear the Fork, Arizona State Sun Devils. David, welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Michael. I'm glad to be here.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad. We were just talking about this. If you think about it, it's, it's January right now. Uh, uh, you are the uh, first guest episode here in 2021. And we met about a year ago. It was up in LA for, was that considered a Pac-12? It's, it just seemed like a lot of Pac-12 schools were there, but it was uh, uh, kind of like the admission counselors all gathering at Maggiano's. Well, that was our last time we met in person. Maybe your last yeah. event as a uh, assistant director for a recruitment.
1: <laughs> it was one of the last few. It's, it's wild how time is just been so slow, but so fast this year.
0: Absolutely. So I want to get right into it because Arizona State uh, is a, a well-known school, Pac-12, big school. I like it. I have some friends that graduated from ASU. I've been on the downtown campus. I've been on the Tempe campus. And and if there's one thing you can tell Southern California students and parents that are listening, especially during this COVID time to sell asu because they might not be able to get on campus you might not be able to talk to them at uh, high school college fairs what would it be
1: oh man one thing uh i would say that well i'm gonna cheat and kind of do two things okay Um, (laughs) asu is uh has been the most innovative school in the country uh for the last six years in a row uh, beating out some really impressive competition like stanford and mit Uh, and some other great names on that list. Um, And I think during a time when everything is constantly changing and evolving and you never really know kind of what a higher education experience, um, a college experience might even look like uh, in the next semester or the next year, uh, to be at a school or be attending a school that really is able to adapt and evolve as needed uh, with that innovation to give you the education you need with whatever resources, tools, et cetera, um, being at a school like ASU is, is tremendous. And while we have a thousand other things I hope I get to talk about, uh, during our time that that's kind of the one I would say during COVID times, especially that is, is a huge benefit to our students. So, so
0: let's talk about that during COVID. How are you keeping in touch with high school students that are trying to get to ASU or what are you recommending? Uh, they can't visit the campus. I mean, I, I know me, but that's me personally. I like to go online and look at all these colleges and, and go, Oh, I've been there, but how, how are these, how do you sell that to the class of 21?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough sell for anyone to make those kind of decisions right now with, you know, the next four years of your life when you can't even get on a physical campus to kind of see it for yourself. Um, I will say that Arizona is less restricted than California right now. Um, not to say you should or students should be traveling out from California, but uh, our campus is physically open. If they happen to be in Arizona visiting family or or whatever it might be, uh, they are able to walk around. And there are some limited tours uh, in person, outdoor walking only. But uh, our student tour guides, uh, the Devil's Advocates, uh, are giving uh, tours right now um, outside. Uh, beyond that, though, for most of us, we are stuck here in California uh, and staying safe and and close to home. Um, And for those students, uh, we have uh, several things. Uh, We've done virtual programming uh, for uh, a lot of our, uh, we have some virtual tours they can do. We have virtual information sessions, uh, sessions where they can meet with their academic colleges like engineering or nursing or business or anything like that. Uh, Some exciting kind of fun ones like study abroad or other things, uh, just they're able to really uh, connect with and learn about uh, the campus in ways that they might not even have been able to previously had they been on campus physically. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, So while you don't quite get that vibe of being on campus walking around necessarily, you can still get a lot of the information you need to kind of narrow down your prospects on what's going to be the best fit for you uh, college-wise.
0: And I agree with you because you don't get that vibe. I tell every high school parent and student, if you have the resources, you have that capability uh, to go out and visit a campus. And even during COVID, you're right. You could still go walk on campus and and, and get a sense of what it's like. Um, I think in September, when I went to go visit my daughter again in Washington, she asked me, she said, where are you? I said, I'm walking the campus. She <laughs> goes, how many times are you gonna walk the campus of UW? And I said, I just love it because the, I think that's where you really get a sense of, okay, there's that building. Or can you imagine what students uh, what it's like when students are here. I think of ASU and I'm going to go specifically the Tempe campus because we had a volleyball tournament there mm. and we walked through that. What's that? Oh gosh. It's considered the, the traditional walk as you're walking to the courtyard and you see the lawn and then it goes into uh, the Memorial student union, right? Is there a specific name for it?
1: Yeah. That's the Hayden mall with the Hayden library. And and yeah, the MU is right there, the union um,
0: yeah, Hayden Mall. And, and there, for those that are listening, correct me if I'm wrong, David, they're continuously building on that campus. There's buildings, there's construction, but it it was a nice, beautiful summer day. And there was a lot of people on campus. The vibe was there. So if you, if the Hayden lawn, I think that's one of your favorite places, the hub of life, if, if I'm not mistaken, that, that you would say for ASU that stands out, correct?
1: Yes, yeah, so the Tempe campus, that is kind of the center. It's beautiful, and it's, it is definitely a hub for kind of everyone going through campus there.
0: Now, let's make this clarification because I remember sitting in that room, and what you, you sparked my interest, and I, I, I think I told you this. There's something I found out about ASU that I did not know, and if I didn't know it, I know my students and parents and my followers and listeners don't know it. Talk about the five campuses, so let's talk about the five campuses first because that sparked my interest. And then uh, I might be jumping a little too quick, but we're talking about financial aid, tuition, and you're talking about um, something about, if it's I'm not mistaken, that, that stands out. The West Campus uh, has the same impact as maybe the downtown and Tempe campus. But let's get into the five campuses of ASU.
1: Okay. Yeah, and that that is the thing that um, so many people don't realize uh, when they look at ASU, which is uh, we are um, one of only three public universities in Arizona. Uh, We serve Phoenix, uh, the metro area, which is the fifth largest city in the country. Uh, And in order to grow and meet the needs of of all of our students, uh, the students we have from all 50 states and about 135 countries around the world, uh, we have kind of evolved into a four-campus system in the Phoenix metro area. Uh, we also have one location out at Lake Havasu City as well, uh, right on the border of California. Uh, but uh, for the four metro campuses in Phoenix, uh, what we've kind of realized is as we've grown, you know, as much as we love our big, beautiful Tempe campus, not every student uh, is going to excel or love that that large public university kind of traditional campus environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every student learns in that that way. And so um, to kind of fit the variety and diversity of students uh, that we have coming in, uh, we have uh, three other campuses now as well, um, four including Tempe. Uh, we also have our downtown Phoenix one, uh, right in the heart of downtown. Uh, we have our West Campus, which is up in Glendale, uh, and we have our Polytechnic Campus, uh, which is out in East Mesa. Um, mm-hmm. And there's different as night and day. Tempe is uh, large, it's got about 50,000 students taking classes there on uh, any given uh, week. Um, And then the West Campus has as few as 4,500 students uh, taking classes in any given week. And so uh, we have a little bit of something for every type of student uh, from that big traditional field to almost like a small liberal arts campus type vibe, depending on what they they choose to study.
0: Now, at each different university or each different campus, is there different... uh, Can I major in the same thing at the downtown Phoenix campus as perhaps Tempe or even, let's say, the West Campus? Are each campus different with specific colleges
1: and schools? There, There is some crossover and then some uh, standalone programs. Um, and so I, I should back up and say that uh, even though ASU has these, these four campuses or five kind of locations total, uh, if you are at one of those campuses, you are – an ASU student, you're a Sun Devil uh, at all of them. Uh, You never have to leave your campus for four years to get that degree. But if you want to do things at other campuses from general classes to clubs, organizations, uh, you wanna go hear a speaker or see a show, uh, you can do anything at any campus. Um, That is all open to you. There's a free shuttle that connects the campuses uh, seven days a week. Uh, So if you don't bring a car with you, you know, you have that that ability to get around. Um, But again, you choose your major or your campus based on your academic major. Um, Some majors are only offered at one. Like our journalism program is only at the downtown Phoenix campus. Uh, And that is because there are a lot of uh, media outlets, uh, TV stations, newspapers and a lot of other things downtown. That's where a lot of journalism is happening in Phoenix. Uh, But then you have psychology, which is. Uh, offered at three of our four campuses. Um, and you, the student, then choose which campus you want to be your home campus to study psychology.
0: Got it. Got it. And that's the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That, that is correct. Right. One, one of the big, big journalist schools in, in the nation. Um, let's talk about majors and some of the top majors going into ASU. It's pretty much if if I've done my research correctly, if you're liberal arts, um, uh, business, you can pretty much get everything at ASU. Correct, or, or what are they known for besides journalism?
1: I, again, it's it's we're known for options. Uh, we have over 350 majors at ASU. Um, but our our rankings uh, are pretty spread out across those. Um, there's not one thing specifically we we excel in above all others. Uh, we have top 10 rankings in the country from business to photography, um, and anything from engineering and fine arts. Uh, I mentioned journalism already. We have a, a top 15 criminal justice program in the nation. Uh, it's it's kind of all over the map. Um, not everything, of course, is top ranked. Uh, but again, it's it's throughout those 350 majors.
0: So I'm a California student, or, or I could be a student anywhere, um, or I'm a parent, and I'm listening to this. Why should I go to ASU as compared to maybe, uh, I'll use your in-state rival, University of Arizona,
1: yeah, I mean, that's obviously that answer may change uh, from comparison to comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's especially clear when you look at the University of Arizona, which and, and don't get me wrong, they are a fantastic university as well. Uh, while we do despise them on the football field and every other athletic uh, <laughs> you got aspect it. of that, uh, they are a great school. Um, but what I think really sets us apart is our location. Um, they are down in Tucson. Uh, about two hours south of Phoenix. Uh, Tucson's not a small town uh, by any means, but Phoenix is the fifth largest city in the country. Uh, It is the state capital. Uh, There's a ton of different industries from a a booming tech sector there, uh, all our major sports teams. Uh, There are, um, I think, all the Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies that are located in Arizona, all except one are located in Phoenix. When it comes to internships, job opportunities, uh, social activities, you know, whatever it is you like to do outside of class or perhaps building your resume for your future career is available throughout the year, sometimes blocks away from our campuses. Um, and to be able to do that, you know, again, throughout the four years and not have to wait till summer or wait till Christmas to do an internship uh, is a huge, huge uh, comparison or uh, for students to make between our schools.
0: And, and David, you're right, because I tell kids this all the time and parents. I said, you got to think about when you graduate, what are you going to do? Where are you going to work? How's the alumni network? Is it close to a area uh, that has employers and Phoenix? Just look at the Buckeye area and Glendale area. It just keeps on coming closer to California, (laughs) the the whole greater (laughs) downtown Phoenix area. You got right. Based on how often you go out there, I remember the the first time I, I going out there, I was trying to get to avenue or street, 51st Avenue or 51st Street. You got to cross the other side of town before I think the east sides are all considered streets. And before downtown coming off the 10, it's all avenues. I mean, that's how big Phoenix is <laughs> and, and Sky Harbor Airport. It's an easy flight for parents. To get to, right, <laughs> you just fly into Phoenix wherever you're coming from. It's not like you got to stop and then go down to Tucson because I've been to Tucson before, David, when we our team played there for basketball and I went down there for another event. Um, it's a it's a great school. We have a lot of friends that go there. Uh, so also I think it's the type of uh, student that you're looking for. So that's going to lead to my next question. If I, the conception people hear, and you're probably going to agree, and you can kind of say disagree or not agree, ASU is a big, big, big school, like over 50,000 students, like the largest in the nation. How do you, what do you say to that?
1: (laughs) Um, I would say that on paper, that is hundred percent true. Uh, We are the biggest school in the country and um, you know, the numbers, uh, the overall aggregate numbers speak for themselves. But uh, when, again, when you look at our actual structure at ASU, uh, it doesn't come out that way in your daily experience uh, because that number is is calculating those five locations. And so every campus again, has housing, has a student fitness has a student fitness center. It has its own classes, its own professors and faculty. Uh, so your experience at ASU could be a much larger field, like I said, at Tempe, somewhere in the middle at downtown, or somewhere small, like Weston Polytechnic. Um, so it's kind of up to you to decide what you want your ASU experience to look like. Uh, but when you look at at the actual academic side of things across our campuses, uh, we have an 18 to 1 student to faculty ratio. Uh, we have large lecture halls, but only about 6% of our classes are those large lecture hall format. Uh, most are going to be between 20 and 40 students. Um, so we never want that actual size of, of ASU to impact a student negatively. Um, and we've built this structure so that while it looks scary on paper, that's not the reality day to day for most students.
0: And that's big. I mean, if you're saying your average is 18 to one, I always like to talk to students about that and ask them about their class size or, you know, like what you're saying, your biggest lecture hall at ASU. I mean, you probably have some lecture halls that you might have, what, 200, 300, but for like a GE class, but for, for what you're saying, the average is 20 to 40. And that's a good size for that. For those of you that are listening out there, because you have that one-on-one experience, correct? Exactly. So you can always make a bigger campus feel small, but you can't make a small campus feel big. Like, you know, you're going to a a university that's maybe 10,000 or even smaller, a D2, D3 school. Let's talk about how you can get involved at ASU. Let's talk about the clubs, organizations. I know you did your... Uh, when I was listening to you, you had your little pitch, but I want I want you to talk about what you can get involved in outside of the academic side of ASU.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, and that is the nice thing is is when you are at a large university like ASU, regardless of which campus you're on, uh, you still have access to over a thousand clubs and organizations that we offer. Uh, here and that, and that, you know, some of those are resume builders, uh, are mm-hmm. student government, community service groups, you know, ways for you to build that resume, <clears throat> excuse me, and stay involved. Um, but you also have, <clears throat> so sorry, you also have the tree climbing club, <clears throat> the taco eating club, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever it is you want to do to just de-stress, relax, enjoy your time, make friends. Uh, you're able to do that. And, and again, over a thousand groups you don't really have to start your own you could if you wanted to but uh, so much is already there it's really up to you to just kind of craft and customize your experience as you go through to to be what you want it to be
0: david is there really the taco eating club <laughs> truly there really what is the f- <laughs> what are you doing at the taco eating club
1: <laughs> uh mostly just eating tacos making <laughs> friends enjoying yourself drinking and, there's- drinking and eating <laughs> yeah. And, you know, California is obviously, you know, no stranger to this isn't going to shock anyone. But being in Arizona, we also have quite a few taco places uh, to try out. So it's kind of a, a mix of trying new things, trying new places and then, of course, making friends. And
0: just oh, you're going to love the end of my podcast when I do a uh, rapid fire. I'm going to ask you a lot of quick questions that I'm going to tee it up like your favorite Mexican restaurant or like your favorite bar. But we'll get there. Uh, David, <laughs> let's talk about uh Finances, tuition, uh, what does it cost for uh, out-of-state, in-state? Kind of give my followers an audience, uh, people that you know don't want to stay in California, and most of that's who my audience is today until we grow. By the way, Dave, David, did you know I'm trying to get on Barstool? That's, Are you really? That's the goal no, for 2021. Think about it. I, I told Dave Portnoy and Eric Nardini, I, it's, it's been like the last couple of weeks I've been following up, but I said... I can help grow the next generation of audience and followers because we have high school students and high school parents. I just need a bigger platform to get to. And hello, most of your audience is all college students. It just rolls right into what they're looking for. But there's not one, at least I haven't found, you correct me if I'm wrong because you're in the this this uh, industry. I just have not found something where you can really get insight on specific colleges besides like someone like yourself, but from real, like hearing it from either a student or a parent, like what it's really like. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's my service. So very cool. Um, but let's talk about finances.
1: Yeah. So, um, we are a public university, uh, which means we do have an out of state and an in-state tuition, mm-hmm. uh, resident and non-residents. Um, so, uh, if you are an Arizona resident, uh, tuition and fees is going to come out to uh, around twelve to thirteen thousand uh, dollars per year. Um, for a non-resident uh, California student uh, without any scholarships or other programs, uh, you're looking at about more like thirty to thirty-one thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. uh, with none of those programs. Um, there are a couple options. I don't know if you want to talk about special scholarships or or programs yet, or if you just want to keep it straight to tuition right now? What do what you think I would Michael? love to
0: talk about because yes, everyone always, uh, they'll say, hey, I, here's the way I always talk about it. If you're out of state, like I, I have a daughter in Washington and daughter in Wisconsin. So I say all, all, all said and done, what's the total cost? Tuition, room and board. And then we can start talking about, right? Because if ASU's tuition's at 30, you think about room and board, you think about flights. So how do we offset some of this? So what type of, what can students out there uh, maybe peak their uh, do some research on to to try to get some more financial aid from ASU. What what what's out there?
1: Sure. Um, so, well, the first thing I would say is, especially bringing up room and board, which is obviously a crucial component <laughs> to living away from home, um, is that. You are going to have in different cities a much different cost of living uh, and cost of, of room and board there. So when you look at a city like Phoenix in Arizona versus California, uh, you do find that at the end of the day, when you look at like a UC school with everything, room and board, tuition and fees, even though the tuition is lower, by the time you're done, uh, room and board in Phoenix with tuition and fees can look very similar. That's true. Um, And so that is a nice comparison we see from a lot of our Southern California families just rent is much cheaper out here. Um, But from a a program as far as scholarships, other things that that California students can look at, uh, the first and biggest one that helps uh, our out-of-state students is ASU's academic merit scholarships. Uh, We call them our new American University awards. Um, And those are uh, based automatically when a student is admitted. They are automatically considered for those merit scholarships based Mm -hmm. on their academics. Um it's their core classes from high school that we look at, uh their GPA in those core classes, uh and then ACT or SAT scores if they have them. Uh we are test optional this year for those uh since uh,
0: I'm glad you brought oh, that up. Good. Test yep. optional.
1: <laughs> test optional for both admission we always have been, but this year for merit scholarships as well since a lot of you couldn't take the test okay. in California. Um, so Merit scholarships; those range for out-of-state students uh, from about seven thousand to about sixteen thousand per year, and they are renewable for the four years that you're at ASU. Um, so you can automatically take roughly half of that out-of-state tuition uh, every year that you're there, depending on your academics and how strong they are coming to ASU. And
0: I like um, how that renewal is on. Uh, you get well up for renewal every single year, so they still have to apply for it, correct?
1: Uh, they have to meet criteria. criteria. So um, okay. full-time student, 30 credit hours a year, and a 3.0 or higher GPA. It'll automatically it. renew if they're just keeping on towards a four-year graduation path.
0: So let me ask you this. During COVID, I and I know uh, so far, the only school I know, Ohio State University, is offering their out-of-state students in-state tuition during COVID, at least for the fall of 2020. Um, I'm still waiting to hear from my friend that has a daughter there if they're doing it for spring of 2021. Does ASU do anything like that, or have you heard of anyone else doing something like that?
1: I have not heard of that, actually, Um, though I suspect Ohio State probably also didn't award their scholarships that they were going to give out-of-state students at the same time. Um, for example, ASU it conti- uh, sorry, ASU still charged our fall out-of-state tuition okay. uh, to students. Um, we also still awarded our, our full scholarship amounts, but we also did have some in-person classes this fall Got as it. well. So students had the option of staying home and doing things on Zoom, or they had the option of being on campus, doing some in-person, some in Zoom. It was up to them, uh, but our tuition remained the same.
0: So I'm going to assume in the spring... Everything's still remote online, except maybe. Should I just? You're
1: not seeing my hands right now, but quote unquote lab <laughs> classes. <laughs> uh, every school's doing that differently. Uh, at ASU, it's it's not just lab classes that's in person uh, or offered as a hybrid. Uh, it's really any class that we could hold, you know, safely by CDC guidelines uh, mm-hmm. with a certain number of students. So if they had over, you know, you know, sixty students or something in a classroom. Uh, or at least we couldn't rotate it somehow. Basically, if there's a certain amount of students or are higher in that class, it became fully online or at least right. fully uh, uh, synchronous so that you were watching a live class via Zoom. Uh, but the ones that were under that, they're still in person regardless of what type of class they were.
0: Got it. So it's COVID. You're home in San Diego. And my question is, are your responsibilities, and I talk to students and parents a lot, ever since like, I think I met yourself and I met a lot of other people through the uh, the association, uh, trying to introduce people that are interested, like maybe if I have someone at ASU, right? I, go, I said, you know what? You got to meet David Mills. I'll get you in touch with him. And I said, not only that, some of these directors of recruitments they're the ones that are actually reading the applications or the essays, maybe the first round before it gets to someone or vice versa. What's your responsibilities? What impact can you have to a high school student and parent um, anywhere that might want to connect with you?
1: Yeah. So ASU's model uh, is going to be a little bit different in mm-hmm. that regard. Um, one of the, the duties that I have is our assistant director, that's dedicated to California recruitment uh, is that I oversee our regional team in California. Uh, We know we are a big university um, and we want to uh, minimize that and and make it as personalized of a recruitment process as possible for our California students. And as part of that, we have, uh, other than myself, we have eight other uh, regional recruiters that live throughout the state of California in all the major metro areas uh, that are dedicated to helping that group of students and parents. Um, so I oversee that team of, of eight regional recruiters, uh, who are, are there. And so I would connect, uh, students and parents with their high school, uh, recruiter uh, that we have nearby. Um, and really we're facilitators. Um, we actually don't read applications at ASU, um, because we have a very set admission criteria. If students meet, uh, the academics they need to get admitted, they are automatically admitted. Um, but that's not to say things aren't still a little confusing and there's not certain hoops people jump through for different programs and different things. And so we're basically just always connecting students and parents and helping them through that process. So they can be in the best spot possible making their final decisions.
0: So you talked about if they meet the criteria, they will get accepted. ASU's acceptance rate is 85%, which is a pretty good acceptance rate. Um, Let's talk about. I got the numbers here, but I want my people to hear it from you. What what what's the average? We 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 talk about the average, but then there's always like that low and the high. Um, and it might not count this year with the class of 21. But ACT, SAT, GPA with rigor. Let's talk about that. What's the what kind what type of student are are, are meeting the requirements?
1: yeah so and the, the tricky thing is is for some schools uh, you might apply to our students might apply to those averages uh, are, are really important numbers to see where they kind of fit in that mm-hmm. uh, likelihood of being admitted uh, but when you look at asu's requirements it's more of just a map like this is what we ask for that you have these 16 core competency courses four years of math four years of english three years lab science two years social science two years uh, second language one-year fine arts, if you have those 16 classes and you have a 3.0 unweighted GPA or higher in those classes, you are automatically admitted to the university. Um, Or uh, if you have all those classes, but maybe not a 3.0, but you have a 24 ACT or an 1180 SAT, you're still automatically admitted to the university. Um, So it's really as straightforward as if you meet those requirements, you are admitted. Now, if you don't meet those requirements, you're not automatically denied. Uh, there is an individual review process, but it, it's not on averages. It's case by case. Uh, the higher, the closer a student is to our requirements, the better chance they have of being admitted with an exception through individual review. But the further they get away from it, the less likely that is. Um, and we have a kind of a, a review committee that makes that that final decision.
0: So I want to talk about that because I've had students and parents come to me and they said, "Hey." I didn't get accepted here. And I felt, I go, to the, let's talk about the rigor. And, and you're probably the same way. I always ask for the unweighted GPA. I, I don't like when people go, oh, I have a four, six. Well, it depends on what school you go to. It depends on what classes you take. Just give me your unweighted. Do you agree with that philosophy first?
1: Uh, I mean, for us, yes.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> and I think everyone else too. For us, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people go, really? I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? I'm like, Unweighted GPA is what they want. <laughs> and then we also look at the rigor. But I want to go back to that case-by-case scenario, okay? Um, there's What's the most unique, should I say, unique situation um, that you've seen or someone try to come through over adversity in terms of maybe even how they approached it, marketing or the selling themselves? Not necessarily their story because there's a lot of stories out there. But I'm trying to give... Um, parents and students an idea of, you know what, if you don't get in, life is a challenge. It's sales. Maybe you got to go reach out and do something a little bit unique and different. So can do you have any experience or maybe a story or situation that you can share with um, a case by case scenario? Someone didn't get in and maybe what they did and then eventually got in? Sure.
1: Well, and I hate to complicate it further, but there's <laughs> there's kind of multiple situations. So, again, they're applying. Our application doesn't have essays or letters of recommendation or anything like that. Because, okay. again, we are uh, single-mindedly focusing on students' academics for for their initial decisions. Um, so, again, if they have it, they're admitted. if they don't, then it's case by case. Okay. Uh, and if they, again, are close or have almost everything we need, whatever it might be, Uh, We're making those decisions. Um, But at that time, we still have no additional info. So if they are far enough away from our requirements that we end up saying uh, we're denying this student, um, the first thing I would advise them to do is is to touch base with their admission counselor to find out what even really prevented them. Because they may have had a 3.0 GPA, but missed a few of those classes we require. So they should first just understand why they missed it in the first place, according to ASU. Um, And then once they know that, um, we do have an appeals process as well, and that is where they can get some letters of recommendation. They can write themselves a personal statement as to their plan for success at ASU and maybe what caused them to be where they are today, which I feel moving into the future could be COVID in many cases that really messed a lot of students up in high school over these next few years. Um, But they have the opportunity through our appeals process to really kind of lay out their full story and how they can be successful at ASU. Um, And then an appeals committee will make their decision based on all that new information, including updated grades from senior year, which we don't usually have when when we make those first choices, uh, those first decisions. So the biggest thing I would encourage them to do, at least for ASU, because it's going to be different at every school, Mm -hmm. is to go connect with their actual admission counselor Um, And find out why and then see if it's a case that perhaps would benefit from an appeal versus maybe academics really aren't where they need to be foundationally to where you should maybe do a community college and then transfer in after a little while or something of that nature.
0: So my big takeaway, if you're out there listening, if you do not get accepted the first time, go contact the missions office again, maybe see if there's an opportunity to appeal. Uh, David, I want to ask you especially during COVID what advice, what recommendation would you give to that class of 21 high school senior today?
1: Um, For today uh, fall, sorry, just make sure I understand the incoming class for fall 2021 or there'll be a senior starting in
0: 2021. They're a uh, senior class of 21 high school. They're class of 25 college, potentially going to ASU next fall. Like what guys, most of them already have applied, right? December 15th is like deadline for most universities out there, colleges, early action, early decision. But what, what advice here we are in January, if they're listening now, what advice do you give seniors today?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, with a lot of the restrictions right now on travel and, and the impact COVID has had, um, I would keep that in mind. Um, I would do a lot of research uh, online because schools are hosting a ton of virtual events right now. Uh, they're offering a ton of virtual tours. There's so many great brochures and, and pieces you can read online uh, about the schools. I would I would do as much of that as humanly possible right now, including applying for financial aid and scholarships mm-hmm. uh, so that hopefully in a few months, um, I should also say that most schools ask for seniors to decide by May 1st, where they're going to go to school. So knowing all that, do as much front loading as possible right now on your research and decision making, so that hopefully by May, you have the opportunity to go set foot on some of these these campuses to where you know everything about the school, but you just got to see it and feel it. And hopefully you can connect the final dots in maybe April instead of just starting the process of thinking about it in April when you get to go visit the campuses. Uh,
0: Do you think they'll push back the deadline date for making decisions like they did last year?
1: I don't know if there will be a big formal announcement from every school about that, but I think if you are in contact with your admission counselors and you're working with them, I think if there's any unique situations or or reasons you may have to want to delay that a little bit. Uh, I'm sure a lot of schools will be more flexible in, in working with you.
0: And any advice out there to parents uh, that maybe are eh, a parents of not only seniors but sophomores and juniors? You know, the reason why I ask that is because my I, I have a freshman in college and a sophomore in college. Now, my obviously my sophomore went through the entire experience her freshman year and then COVID hit her sophomore year. My freshman at Wisconsin, like I tell her and all her friends, they don't know what they're not. They don't know what they don't know. So they're enjoying it. She leaves this Thursday and she said, I've had the greatest fall takeaway football. Yeah. Things aren't like all <laughs> in person, but she's had, she's having a blast in Madtown, Right? So I always said, even maybe three months ago, I feel sorry for the really bad for the class of 21 who are seniors now, but what about the class of 22 who are juniors? So if you're a parent out there, what advice do you give them as they're going through this whole process and they don't know what's really out there on the horizon with COVID and colleges? Should I take a gap year? Should I go to community college? What's your take? What's your advice to them?
1: That's tough. Um, I mean, as far as, whether you start at maybe your first choice school or you take a gap year, I think you really have to look critically at what is going to be available to you in COVID times that would make taking a year off worth it. Um, you may miss out on perhaps your dream freshman year that you hope to have uh, with you know being able to be around thousands of people and go to football games. You may miss that element of it. But if you were to take a gap year, a lot of times that gap year is for students to pursue—I uh, don't know—either they're traveling, or they have cool internships, or they're doing different things that are, again, going to benefit them down the line, regardless. And with COVID, a lot of those may be off the table as well. Right. Um, so anything you can do to kind of jumpstart your academic process—you know—you may have to wait an extra year to truly enjoy that kind of first campus traditional year at school. But I think just starting that four year degree is going to be more critical uh, and beneficial than taking time off to just sit around the house and maybe work part time or something along those lines. So just critically looking at what's going to be available if you don't go to school, but also finding colleges that are going to give you whether it's a hybrid experience, whether it's a safe in-person experience, finding schools that are going to be able to give you a quality education in COVID times is going to be big as well.
0: Great advice. Great intake on that. Uh, David, you, you got your grad degree from ASU, correct? Excuse me. I did. Yes. All right. So I'm going to assume, I don't want to assume anything, but you attended some of their sporting events, maybe?
1: I have. Yes. Between that and work, I've worked for ASU for the last eight years as well, and uh, have been fortunate to attend a number of events throughout that time.
0: Okay. So I'll keep this open. Your favorite, most memorable event at ASU. So I'm kind of trying to sell and paint the picture to a high school student right now. What is it? What was it?
1: Uh, so, uh, last year, um, actually the past two years in a row, uh, ASU men's basketball, I'm actually a huge, huge basketball fan. Um, and ASU men's basketball, uh, signed a, um, or they figured out a chain where they got to play uh, KU, uh, the Jayhawks, in basketball uh, once in Lawrence, Kansas, and once uh, in Phoenix. And uh, two years ago, they beat KU at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, which is almost impossible to do. And then last year, they beat KU uh, at Wells Fargo Arena uh, in in at Tempe, and it was absolutely insane.
0: And you. First of all, for those that want to know, he brings up, now I got chills, you know, the student manager, right, David, we call this the student manager because I was the student manager of our Long Beach State basketball team, and you mentioned it's hard to beat a team at Allen Fogg uh, Fieldhouse. Well, Long Beach State, when I was our manager, we went back there and we beat them at Allen, Field, uh, Allen, uh, Allen Fieldhouse back in 1993. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and you're an alum. You, you studied poli sci at KU. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, baby, right?
1: I did. I did. So I, I'm, it was a torn, a torn experience for me. But to see all the students, you know, at ASU just like living that upset win and storming the court and just that incredible kind of atmosphere. Uh, of that, that basketball arena was, was so cool.
0: And, and so I'm glad you led into that because I think basketball and football are probably the two main, uh, sports where students are going to watch. So you just talked about th- that type of atmosphere and envi- environment. What is it? What is it like on game day for football? Uh, the tailgating, the atmosphere,
1: yeah, so ASU is, again, it's, it's going to be different than, it all depends on obviously where school is, uh, how they're located, are they in a city, are they outside of a city, you know, college town, big city, whatever it might be. Um, ASU, Sun Devil Stadium, is kind of right in the heart of Tempe, which is a city unto itself part of, as part of the Phoenix Metro. Um, so tailgating, there are definitely a number of tailgates around the stadium and around campus, um, but the actual tailgating is a little bit less outside uh, on game day at, at ASU because the stadium is just like two blocks away from mill Avenue and mill Avenue is downtown Tempe. It's like the college downtown vibe. All the bars and restaurants are there, the like the stores. So it's kind of a mix of tailgates, but also a lot of people just, they call it devils on mill. Um, and everybody kind of, you know, starts on mill for the day. And then, you know, (laughs) Moses their way down to the stadium, you know, does the game, and then moseys their way back to Mill, and and yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. I I will say it's a little hot the first few games of the season as the as the summer kind of edges out, but then it's it's gorgeous Southern California weather for the rest of football season.
0: Well, you talked about Mill Avenue. I love that little. It's a great feel, especially in spring. Like March and April are almost my favorite times there.
1: Like, oh, it's, yeah, it's gorgeous. Right, you got
0: spring training going on too, which we forgot to mention. But anyways mill avenue uh what's your favorite restaurant on mill avenue where do you like to eat
1: pedal house brewing company pedal house
0: brewing company why
1: um i mean well first off i'm a huge craft beer fan uh but their menu is also uh really really good and so it's it's a perfect combination of both and it is a much more relaxed atmosphere it's not like a crazy college party bar or anything like that it's just a great restaurant with great craft beer
0: Excellent to know. Now, if you are that freshman or sophomore, you're just getting hammered and wasted. What, like, what bar? What bar are those college students hanging out?
1: (laughs) They shouldn't be hanging out in any of the bars, (laughs) right? They got fake. Hey, let's just be
0: honest, David. They got fake IDs. (laughs)
1: Um, No, to be honest, having never experienced that that undergrad uh, side of things myself uh, at ASU, I I won't even pretend to speak to that that side of things.
0: Got it. Got it. All right, so maybe let's say this: when you were at grad school, after you know a night out, you're hanging out, drinking. Uh, what's a when you wake up in the morning? What's a great breakfast spot to go to?
1: Uh, well, this is <laughs> one of the most convenient. It's basically on campus. <laughs> it's called Snooze AM. Okay. Uh, eatery. It did not start in Phoenix. Uh, they have a few in California, a few in Colorado, but Snooze. Uh, It's right there on campus. Uh, Incredible brunch. Their pancake lights are phenomenal Um, and great coffee. If if you happen to be a college student who's already into coffee.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, there's two snoozes out here in Southern California and I've been to one in orange and one in Tustin. You're great. And you got to get there early because the lines are long and they're Mm -hmm. good. It's good food. So before I let you go, is there one thing maybe I have not asked you that you think would help a high school student or a high school parent?
1: I think the big thing, and we, we touched on this, but Uh I would say not again, judging. It's essentially not judging a book by its cover, but don't judge colleges. ASU obviously included, but don't judge colleges based solely on the number of students or solely on their, their acceptance rate because, Oh, it's so easy to get in here. It must not be a good school. Um, But that couldn't be further from the truth in ASU's case and in many other schools' cases. uh, California is a unique state where the public universities are excellent and they're very competitive and hard to get into. Uh, It just so happens a lot of states have great public universities that aren't as hard to get into, but still measure up in many, many other ways to California schools. So just not to count anything out, do your research, do your homework. Is this going to be a good fit for you? Even if on paper it appears to be easy to get into or something along those lines. Will it help you get to that future career goal?
0: Right. And you you know what? That's a great ending point because yes, 85% acceptance rate. But you know, here's the number I always talk to my audience and followers about the retention rate after your freshman year, who's coming back. ASU is 88% retention rate. But then more importantly, it's 67% graduation rate. And after you graduate, right, it's all about getting a job you got the alumni network. I'm going to throw this out there because you're one of them. Do you know approximately the number of alumni with ASU? Uh,
1: A little over 500,000 around the world.
0: Yep. That's huge. Um, You're talking about like that's almost like Michigan's. uh, Wisconsin has a big one. Mm -hmm. Who else has big alumni networks? Anybody over 300,000, that's a huge, huge network. So it's not – You know, college is starting something and finishing something. And obviously, not only after you graduated ASU, you're currently working at ASU, uh, doing some great things over there. Um, But I wanted to have you on, talk a little Fear the Fork, the Sun Devil. Who's your most famous alumni? Or you personally, because I have my favorite ASU alumni. Who's your favorite ASU alumni?
1: Um so I'm going to cheat a little bit um okay. actually and say Pat Tillman. Okay. <laughs> um uh Pat Pat Tillman I and I say cheat because he isn't necessarily well known outside of the ASU community but he's from the San Jose area. Uh, originally he went to ASU for his undergrad, he played on our football team, he was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. uh but then when 9/11 happened, uh he decided that he was going to leave the NFL and serve in the Army Rangers uh, as a Green Beret. And uh, he went over and was actually killed in combat uh, in Iraq. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a tragic story, but his just examples of leadership and like a servant's heart and just, you know, wanting to help his country and his fellow man was just, it's, it's no one else can compare to that in my mind, as far as, not that we don't have other great alumni, but uh, he set a very high bar as yes. far as what it means to be a Sun Devil,
0: yes, he did, and I, I now I don't even want to try and just throw my name out there because <laughs> m- mine's mine's Phil Mickelson,
1: <laughs> An- another great athletic <laughs> choice.
0: Every time I see him, David, on the if I'm following him, like at Torrey Pines at Farmers Insurance, I'll throw the fear the fork sign out there. I'm like fear the fork, so and he looks over, he gives me a little wink, but that that's mine. Um, when things get back to normal, I love to you know see you again, have you in studio, talk a little bit more ASU, maybe we'll get a round table. What I really wanna do is get some of your peers uh, with some of the different schools on the Pac-12 and get a little round table to really educate and and sell the difference of uh, your schools as compared to what I always call here, and I think we talked about this, the sweatshirt brand, right? (laughs) Here in Southern California, everyone wants to go to UCLA, USC, but there's some other great colleges out there. So thank you for your time, I wanna say, David Mills, again, the Assistant Director, California Recruitment, uh, joining us on episode 52 of the Student Manager Podcast. Got to give it up for my executive producer, Murph Cargus. He's engineering, putting this whole podcast together. And today, we're not going to have a corporate sponsor. The reason why, I just don't know. Uh, m- maybe it'll just be myself as the corporate sponsor. But David, <laughs> thank you for joining. You have a great rest of the day. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: You too. Fonger News out.